Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Dave King here to tell you about DraftKings. Everyone's favorite time of the year is right around the corner, college football season. To celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly, free, if you bet one or more on any college football game. Take advantage of this limited time offer now. You heard it right. 200 bucks, free bets instantly. When you place a bet of $1 or more on any college football game, no matter what, head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Check out all the great promotions, daily odds, and boosts that they are offering. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable, located right here in the U.S., so it's easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place $1 bet on any college football game. That promo code is TBPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Now on to the show where we interview two different people today. We've got Michael Pina from uh, Sports Illustrated first and then Mirren Fader from The Ringer second. Please stay tuned for this nice, long, midweek episode. Hey, I'm McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Welcome to another episode of the Solar Panel, a Phoenix Sun Show. Thanks for joining us on this midweek audio-only pod. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to our future shows. We're on a new podcast feed. It's always tough to start out a new podcast feed. I'll remind you at the end as well. Um, so you get notifications and don't have to see it pop up on Twitter. Um, this is your host, Dave King. And today I am joined by Michael Pina, a writer and podcaster with Sports Illustrated. Uh, you can find uh, Sports Illustrated on Twitter at SI Now. Uh, Michael also does an, uh, an open floor podcast with uh, Rohan Nadkarni and Chris Herring as well. That is a really, really great listen. Uh, if you listen to any NBA-wide uh, podcast, you should definitely be listening to this one, the Open Floor Podcast put out by SI. 
uh, in the past week, the reason I'm bringing Michael on, Michael on here is in the past week, he's done a lot of hating on the Phoenix Suns, and I just got to call <laughs> him out for it. Uh, we once <laughs> we once had Nate Duncan on here to call him out for saying he'd rather have, um, oh shoot, I just forgot, Danny Green. He'd rather have Danny Green than Devin Booker on a team a couple of years ago before Booker started winning games. And while, and, and while Nate had a point, uh, we didn't appreciate it. So we had to get him on the show and call him out. So I appreciate Michael um, uh, taking the hit today. So first thing we want to cover is on, on, again, it's the open floor podcast uh, on the, uh, on, on any of your podcast apps. Um, about a, a couple of days ago, you guys re- released an episode uh, about your top 10 duos in the NBA, right? We did. And um, Rohan, um, I felt like, was more my spirit animal than you on where he <laughs> wanted to rank Devin Booker <laughs> and Chris Paul. Uh, so let me give an update to the Suns listeners who have not heard the pod. Um, you've got your usual suspects at the top that I cannot, I cannot complain about at all. Kevin Durant and James Harden are definitely the number one duo in the NBA. LeBron James and Anthony Davis um, deserve until LeBron James um, shows up with only one leg one day or something like that. LeBron James and Anthony Davis are definitely the second most talented duo out there, and they really play well with each other. Um, Giannis and Chris Middleton, we just saw in the NBA Finals. Those guys are a great duo, simply mostly but not entirely because Giannis is one of the best players in the entire league and probably one of the best 10 in the history of the league by the time he's done, if not one of the top five. Um, We watched that, and it was just incredible. And and Chris Middleton is an all-star next to him, so of course that's a good duo. Then it gets a little bit dicey. Um, You've got a lot (laughs) of middle ground. I I think um, I'm. you're a huge fan of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown as a duo and they do play well together and they've been to a couple of conference finals together uh, recently. And I'm sorry, I'm going to let you talk real quick, but I just uh, real soon, but I just wanted to go through, you got Steph Curry and Dre Draymond green next Jimmy Butler and bam out of bio. After that, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and Luka Doncic and, and Chris Haps Porzingis all ahead of the starting backcourt in the NBA finals two all-stars, um, Chris Paul, an all-NBA guy, Devin Booker about to be an all-NBA guy. All those eight pairs above Devin Booker and Chris Paul as NBA pairings. And I venture to guess if you were allowed yourself to include Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray in the in the consideration, you'd have probably put them above these two as well. So now speak for yourself. Speak for yourself, Michael. Okay, so... First of all, I, I love Devin Booker. I love <laughs> yeah, Chris yeah. Paul. All this love, is not. I, I I I do not hate these guys. I think they're wonderful. I was you know watching them in the NBA Finals. Watching their run to the NBA Finals was a joy, uh, particularly for Chris Paul. I don't know how anyone could not be rooting for him, even though I know a lot of people probably were not rooting for him. Um, it's more about. I mean, look. Obviously, this is super subjective and yada yada yada. I don't need to tell you that, but. It's more about looking forward out of the super strange season that we just had. And so, for example, I think the most controversial duo that I had there was uh, Luca and Kristaps Porzingis ahead of Chris Paul. I don't think they even call themselves a duo. 
So <laughs> hence the controversy. Yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, I look back at obviously last season and, and Chris Dapps in the playoffs was uh, he was wretched. He was very bad against the Los Angeles Clippers and um, did not look like a max contract caliber player. And I tried not to be a prisoner of the moment as much as possible doing this exercise and kind of pegging it forward towards what I think the league will look like next season and how I think these duos will perform and complement one another. And this season, last season, could not have been worse, a worse situation for Chris Dapps, who tore his meniscus in the bubble right before he did tear his meniscus in the bubble. He was incredible. He was one of the best players in the entire league and um, a perfect compliment for Luca. And you can look at his numbers. You can look at how well he shot the three ball, um, how efficient those two were running pick and pops. And just they were murdering the entire league, frankly. Uh, suffers the injury. You have the shortened offseason. He's not playing back to backs. He comes on late, doesn't obviously doesn't have a training camp, doesn't have a preseason or anything like that. And just really struggles throughout the entire season. And then they run into the Los Angeles Clippers. It's a terrible matchup. Um, so I kind of look at it like, uh, Luca is just otherworldly. I th- I think you'll agree with me that Luca is the best player out of all four of the guys um, that we're kind of comparing here. And then it's Most sort of just for sure. Yep, and and best yeah. performer exactly. Yes, and so I wanted to give credit there for Luca, who's 22, who will be better next season. I don't know what it's going to be because. <laughs> His ability to improve, I mean, you, you would think that he's already at his ceiling given the numbers and just his impact, but, you know, free throw shooting, uh, condition, the condition he can play in his defensive awareness. There's different parts of his game that can still get better and will get better because he's just going to be 23 years old next season. It's ridiculous. Um, so I factored that in. I factored the fact that um, Chris Tapps will be healthy. Chris Tapps is only 26 years old. And I kept going back to just how good he looked pre-meniscus tear and tried not to judge him too much on one playoff series in which, yes, he was very bad in that playoff series. Um, then, you know, you could have flipped it, honestly. It's like, it's not like I, I dramatically think that Luca and Chris Dapps are better. You're going to leave this down next season. I'm going to remember I, this list forever. <laughs> but, but generally speaking, <laughs> I will say that, you know, trying to put this together and look in the future um, broadly speaking, younger players get better and older players get worse. So what I kept coming back to is Chris Paul is coming off a fantastic all-NBA caliber season, um, MVP candidate. Uh, the fact that he didn't miss time despite his age and his size and, um, you know, you would expect him to have taken significant time off last season if there ever was going to be a season. He's 35 years old. Uh, he didn't. And so all the credit to him. I wonder how that wear and tear is going to impact his body this upcoming season when he's 36. He had that long playoff run. Um, and so, you know, if he's able to sustain it, then hats off to him. He's a marvel. He's unprecedented in multiple ways. And I wrote this during the playoffs. Like no one his age that size has ever had a post, not even close to a postseason, like the postseason that Chris Paul did. Um, so, I anticipate some regression a little bit for him, a little bit of a drop and Booker will be better. Booker is amazing. I have nothing bad to say about Devin Booker at all. 
Um, but that's where I was kind of like uh, where I, I, I sided with Dallas's duo a little bit more than Phoenix's, who I respect, I should say. I have all the respect <laughs> in the world for them. <laughs> well, obviously, even even the hardiest of Suns fans are are just crossing fingers and closing eyes about the longevity of Chris Paul in the league. He just re-signed with the Suns for up to uh, $120 million, four years, $30 million a year roughly. However, only the first two years are guaranteed. So even Chris Paul knows that he may not have as long a future in the league as, as we all would love to see. However, mm-hmm. on, on, on the other hand, um, not the one he broke um uh but the but the other hand the one where his wrist was broken um he he played through a lot of injuries and it's possible that he'll um not have as many injuries next playoffs we're hoping for and and so we'll see um but i get where you're coming from i guess uh i have my own opinions on luka Doncic. is isn't worth bringing up here they aren't simply because of where he was taken in the draft and how the Suns have been derided for who they took instead. It's, uh, they're, they're, uh, we don't need to go into Luca. He is the best, one of the best players on the planet. We'll just go with that. However, he did lose in the first round in both of his playoff years. Um, then you've got the, the other duo. See, um, you, you said super strange and I have a, a super strange season. We just finished and I have a, an, I have a feeling that you and you don't have to go into this too much, but do you feel like that um, not because of injuries, but because of circumstances that this uh, year was a little strange or is it mostly injuries you're talking about that made this year strange in the playoffs? Yeah. I mean, I think that they're related, right? Like I think that some, not all of the injuries, I think some injuries, um, can be attributed to just the the shortened regular season, the fact that a lot of guys came into the regular season after only a two month off season, or in some cases a what eight month off season, I guess, in the case of a team like the Atlanta Hawks or the New York Knicks, um, and six other teams. Uh, but just a super weird uh, uh, a period of time spent before the season even begins. Guys are out of shape. And uh, are sort of, you know, there's we're playing the year during a pandemic. They're getting tested multiple times a day. I think it was just a general strain on bodies and minds, unlike anything that we've ever seen before for players. And so, I think that it, I think that impacts chemistry. I think that impacts um, just teams' ability to have cohesiveness during the regular season and uh make progress and what so so i think that that impacts chemistry it impacts just cohesion with with different players and different rosters and and guys getting on the same page and then obviously you have the physical elements to multiple all-star caliber players uh in the playoffs um, or leading up to the playoffs that really impacted their ability to contribute at a high level so i mean you know, I, we don't really need to get into it too deeply, but um, well, the reason I wanted to bring up the uh, the weirdness of the pandemic mm-hmm. impacts and injuries is I feel like, and I'm only again, I'm only splitting hairs here. Okay, all splitting hairs on this list. You're perfectly fine on how you've how you've rated these duos, but um, we 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 give Jimmy Butler and Bam out of bio. You have them sixth on your duo list. 
they only made the finals in a pandemic where there was not a fan in the stands. I mean, and, and this year they got swept in the first round. Uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, as great as they are as being the two of the top five players in the game, Anthony Davis really shot an outlier playoff series and their entire team shot an outlier playoff series in, um, in, in a pandemic. And then Giannis and, and Chris, I mean, they – they actually very much benefited from injuries in the playoffs to even get to the finals themselves. So um, I don't want to, I don't think that all I'm saying is I don't think Devin Booker and Chris Paul should be downgraded for the year in which they made the finals. And I know people are going to try to do that uh, and they're going to do it to the finals loser. And I, I feel like I'd give a lot more shade if I was a person who gave shade to the heat making the finals a year ago than to the Suns making the finals this year. This year was much more normal looking. Um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. We'll talk about West do uh, West tears in, in a, in a couple of minutes, but let's, let's finish up on this Steph Curry and Draymond green is the fifth best duo. I mean, if we're talking 2018, yeah. Uh, 2019, sure. But I mean, Steph Curry and Draymond green couldn't make the playoffs this year. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's. I mean, so so what I'll say they have is one play play in game to win. No, right, right, right. No, absolutely. What I'll say is again, like I'm trying to project forward to the best duos that I think are going to be in the NBA in 2022, and the season that Steph Curry. First of all, if you just look at the surrounding yeah. casts of yeah. the Phoenix Suns, his roster, might have been lacking. His might have been lacking just a little bit. I mean, you take Steph off the floor, look at that offensive rating. It's it's kind of ridiculous. He was everything to that Juan team. Juan Toscano Anderson's a future all-star, man. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> so so I think that, you know, I look at, I liked Golden State's, and we'll probably talk about this in the tears conversation. I liked mm-hmm. Golden State's offseason a lot. And I liked the fact that they brought in um, experienced vets who know how to play when Steph is on the floor, who know how to play when Steph is not on the floor, who can handle the ball, who can shoot, who can defend, who can do all that stuff. Um, I like that for Golden State. And I thought that Draymond had a very good season last year, all things considered, and was once again one of the better defensive players in the entire league. And when he's on the floor with Steph, the way his vision, the way his push, the way um, his selflessness allows Steph to get some of the shots that he does off the ball is what makes that offense hum in a lot of ways. So I, I mean, you're probably right to say uh, the success that they had in 2015 through 2019 or whatever you want to, whatever period you want to say that impacted and maybe clouded my assessment of them going forward, which is fair, but I, the way Steph singularly, performed last season um, as one of the three best players, maybe the best offensive so player good. in the entire league. Like, you know, I, I don't see a nece- necessarily a humongous drop off there from him. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you there. I, I guess I'm a lot more skeptical on dream on green than I am on, on but if you're going to, if you're going to say, you know, a, a one player in a duo can carry the duo, then uh, Steph Curry's a, the one guy for sure. Uh, Draymond, I'm not sure if it's him or Ben Simmons that more actively avoids taking a layup um, between the two of them, but it, it could be a, it'd be a good contest if they had to go one-on-one against each other um, to a game of 10. 
would anyone get to 10 points is the question. Um, so here, <laughs> let's, uh, which uh, last thing on the duos, uh, your last duo right behind Booker and Paul were Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. And then you had mm. some honorable mentions. Um, which duo that you said on your podcast, and I want to let people listen to your podcast to get that, um, <clears throat> but which duo do you think is going to, and I know you said this is for 21-22, but which duo do you think below uh, the top 10 has the most likely chance of surprising us and getting into the top 10 by the end of the year? Hmm. I mean, I really loved uh, what Trey Young did in the playoffs. Uh, I don't, you know, I thought that, you know, he was an all-star last season or I guess two seasons ago mm-hmm. and then had kind of a down That's regular no season. In the East. Yeah. Sure. Sure. And it was, you know, the fans love him. So whatever fans it is, what it is. Yeah, exactly. um, but regardless made the all-star team. Then I, I, you know, he had a down regular season last year, I think. And I've always been a huge fan of his offensively understanding the warts on the other end. Um, I just think he's one of the better passers already in basketball. Uh, one of the better like play creators, uh, one of, you know, one of the more ingenious scorers, frankly, and we'll see how the rule changes impact his ability to get to the free throw line and draw fouls and all that. But I, I just really have always enjoyed yeah, watching him play. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. Um, so Trey young, and, you know, Rohan, my, my co-host on the episode, had Trey Young and John Collins as his 10th best duo. And what was really holding me back was I did not know whether or not I would put Trey with Collins, who I also love and who also, I think, had a really good um, playoffs, which were rewarded by a humongous extension, um, or Trey Young and Clint Capella, who I'm also a fan of, who is kind of the pick and roll partner who Trey most frequently operates with as opposed to Collins who's more spread out on the perimeter because he can shoot and obviously Capella cannot. So, you know, the way those two yeah. kind of have synergy, I wasn't really sure where to ability put, to put the ball right next to the rim for Capella and Capella's ability to no matter who's around him to get to that ball right next to the rim on an alley-oop is just tremendous. After watching the Suns, trying to throw alley-oops to their guys and half the time it's the alley-oop that's the problem not the not the finish mm-hmm. um it's trey young is just a master at putting the ball exactly where it's got to be for for a guy like capella yeah absolutely so i guess you can pick whichever big maybe i'd go with collins because he's younger and more on the timeline but I, I don't know i think the difference is kind of negligible but i guess another duo that I think could surprise some people this season. And I like them even more after the trade that they just, the Timberwolves, Minnesota Timberwolves just made yesterday for Patrick Beverly, but Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns had some moments last year together that were just, I mean, they were flashes for sure. Like literally like two games here, a game a week later um, and intermittently a lot of struggle on both ends. But the talent there is is through yeah, the roof. Tremendous. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing them coalesce this season, hopefully, and everyone can stay healthy. I, I've always been a fan of Carl Anthony Towns. I I personally like the fit of, because I've seen it, the fit of Aiton uh, in, in Phoenix, but people have asked for Carl Anthony Towns in Phoenix for years, and he would be great. I just think uh, when you've got a Devin Booker 
out on the wing. You need a, more of a defender inside. And But Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards are certainly uh, uh, a highlight duo for sure. Um, and then, of course, they've got D'Angelo Russell in there as well as a I'm seeing him more of a Lou Williams type career guy than a than a uh, perennial all star type. But he's probably somewhere in between. No, I, I, I yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he's your third, first of all, him on a max is not what you want, period. Yeah. Um, right. Him as your third best player. Uh, I think you could make the playoffs honestly, pending the leap that we see out of Edwards this year, but it's, it's, you know, I don't know how much longer he's going to be there, frankly. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's move on. Oh, the last kind of one, because you brought up John Collins was the two most memorable guys to turn down extensions before the year started were Dennis Schroeder and John Collins. There may have been others, but those were two of the most reported ones. Could they have taken different paths to <laughs> to this NBA offseason and more, more different paths to the NBA offseason? It's unbelievable. John Collins got more money, and uh, Dennis Schroeder is just hoping to be relevant again in Boston. Um, so maybe don't turn down the money because you're more likely to be a Schroeder than you are a, a John Collins if, if you're getting offered an extension. It's, 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 such, a, it's such a roll of the dice for those guys. Yeah, I, I've found it very interesting to see the amount of stars um, sign extensions with their teams, and not even just stars, but really important role players throughout this offseason, as opposed to hitting free agency and seeing where the money is. I think that that is a, a trend we maybe should be discussing a little bit more just a, as an NBA watching community, that but it's, it's really interesting. Yeah, exactly. I was watching, I was listening to another pod and i was just thinking about that yesterday because now you've got uh joel Embiid staying on forever basically for the rest of his career in philadelphia dame lillard has always been loyal um devin booker for the local fans has always been super loyal to phoenix even when they were the worst um you've you're getting a run of loyalty to, uh, from these guys rather than the taking my talents attitude of switching teams that you know Kawhi leonard uh, was the most recent to to take it to take the most advantage of, but of course LeBron James before him um, started the whole thing and a bunch of guys in between. So that is a trend that we should be looking at uh, more and talking about more. But on it, maybe on a different pod. I don't want to keep you too much too long <laughs> here. We're already twenty three minutes and we haven't gotten to the West tiers. Um, in in the West, let's let's jump over to that. Um, the so obviously finished second in the West this year. Uh, the, the jazz finished first and, uh, and there were a lot of injuries. I'm not going to sit here and pretend the injuries didn't make a, make an impact either regular season or, or playoffs, but, but Suns, the Suns for all the flack they've gotten for making it through the playoffs to get to the, to the top had, um, had the second best record in the, in the regular season before that. So it's, it is quite, um, uh, we, we want to give sons, the sons a little bit of credit for having done that. Um, you've had, you did your West tears podcast a week or so ago and, uh, you and Rohan had different tiers and it was a really, really great episode. You guys should listen to their, to their West tears episode. Um, but basically my takeaway I want to ask you about is you, 
you rank the Suns further down the list than they finished this year. I think you had them around fourth. Is that right? Yeah, right around there. Yeah. Where did you who who do you think is who who were the, your top three in the West? Uh, you had Golden State up there, didn't you? I had. I think Utah is going to finish first again. Uh, then Golden State, then the Lakers, and then the Suns. And that was my that was my regular season prediction in August. So, so once again, long- <laughs> I have to ask why you hate the Suns so much. You're going to give Jazz <laughs> credit for for running it back, but you're not going to give the Suns credit. So I'm. <laughs> So I'm doing these. Uh, I don't want to step on this too much, but I'm writing a uh, a grade for every team's offseason right now that should be published either later this week or early next week on SI.com. And I think I'm giving the Suns um, an A minus for their offseason. Like I, I have nothing bad to say, and frankly, it would be an A if and this can still happen. But I'm waiting for the and maybe you can shed light on this because you follow the team more closely than me. But DeAndre Ayton. Um, extension, Mikhail Bridges extension. I'm waiting for those to kind of happen uh, before next season begins. And they have until um, I believe opening night for those contracts to um, be agreed upon if they are. Oh man, we're all on the same eggshells. You are. I'll tell you that the insight that we have is zero, which is basically, okay. So uh, the owner who is the linchpin of all this now, he's the guy who's got to spend the money and, and invest in the son's future, knowing that he's going to be in the luxury tax. He has gone on radio locally and said that he is willing to go he knows he's not just willing he knows he'll be in the luxury tax next year which is when those extensions kicks in kick in he knows he wants to bring these guys back he knows he wants to keep them on the team he said both deandre Aiden and mikhail bridges um, they will talk to them about extensions but he also said that they they're still they're still on the team next year and they can they can go into restricted free agency with the suns having the driver's position even a year from now, which tells me that the only thing it tells me is that he's not going to just walk in. It's not like Luka Doncic situation where he's going to go to DeAndre. Now I want to give you a super max, $207 million. Of course you're going to sign. He still may want to give DeAndre a max, but it's going to be more like the Devin Booker version or more like the version that most of the guys get, which is max of 20, 25% of the cap that can extend that can go up to 30%. If you make all NBA, um, that's what Booker got a few years ago, uh, without question from the Suns, And I'm sure that's the kind of thing they're going to offer Aiden. And the only question is whether Aiden's team is okay with that. And I'm, I'm pretty sure they will be. Um, he's so laid back. He literally is a Bahamian guy. He literally would hang out on the beach if he had a chance. So I don't think he's going to hold the Suns hostage. The question, the big question is Mikel Bridges. Um, you know, you could say that he is OG Ananobi 2.0 kind of guy, whereas um, he got 472 for four years, 72 million. Or he could say, no, I'm better than that, man, because I make more threes and, and I've got more, more, you know, I've got a lot of upside myself and he may be looking for 100 million. He may be looking for more than that. We don't know. And so I think Sarver is allowing for there to be um, some back and forth, healthy back and forth on that. Um, so, and I don't know that they want to give one an extension without the other. So we're all on pins and needles about this because the worst thing Robert Sarver's ever done as an owner, and he admits it, his biggest regret was nickel and diming Joe Johnson 
way back in 2004, his first summer as owner and them mm-hmm. not agreeing over a million dollar difference a year. And then Joe being so mad that he forced his way out of town. So I don't, I don't think it'll end up badly, but so you gave him an A minus. You said you probably would have given him an A if um, you'd already seen some of those extensions come through. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, there's really nothing negative that has happened. I think the, the, the obvious key to the off season was Chris Paul uh, you lock him up on a contract that I think is fair for both sides. It's, it's not, you know, I'm not saying that Chris Paul should not get all the money guaranteed, but from the perspective of the Phoenix Suns, you probably don't want to pay someone who's 39, 40 years old, uh, you know, 40, $50 million. That's probably not the wisest, um, business decision, uh, <laughs> given the cap and how that works. Um, so I think this is, I think that that agreement was wonderful and there's always the threat. There were rumors, of course, that, you know, he would opt out and then secure or, or, mm-hmm. or go searching elsewhere, which I never really thought were, were valid, but, uh, to get him locked in, I think was, was key, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I like the JaVale McGee edition. Um, I think that I keep making this point, but if JaVale McGee was on the Phoenix Suns in the finals, I think they would have won the finals. I think one of the key reasons they didn't was Saric gets hurt and then you have to go small and Aiton has to play 44 minutes a game or whatever it was. And you're going up against against a guy. Exactly. It's just it was a matchup issue, frankly. And Giannis capitalized against a thin front court. And that's what he does. So um, I I like that signing. I thought that that was smart um, in response to why you kind of lost and yeah, like losing Tory Craig stings. Sure. But you keep campaign and your roster is very similar. And so you're going to like, uh, you know, as, as Sarver says, you're going to have eight next year, regardless of what you do with the extension, you're going mm-hmm. to have uh Mikhail bridges who I absolutely adore uh, mm-hmm. regardless of what happens. Um, and someone like Cam Johnson still on your team too. And I, I keep thinking about, uh, you know, if I were running the Phoenix Suns, one of my concerns would be, okay, if we pay Mikael Bridges, you know, a uh, hundred million dollars over the next four years or whatever it is, uh, what are we going to have to pay Cam Johnson now? Because if we make another playoff run, like there were moments where Cam Johnson was getting Mikael Bridges minutes in the playoffs and yeah. that dude was not missing any shots. So God, he, and so he plays, yeah. And he plays the type of position that every single team <clears throat> in the NBA wants highly coveted. So yeah, I think that there's, that's a good problem to have if you're Phoenix, but I, I love their off season and it was more, you know, putting them at fourth, I think was more about um, uh, uh, not trying not to react too much to this is not me taking any credit away from Phoenix making a run, but there were injuries to key injuries mm-hmm. in every single series. And that's just, you know, that's just a fact. And you have to kind of try to quantify it as best you can when you're trying to project forward and look at where the team's going to be um, in the future and where uh, the competition is. So I like a team like Golden State because, um, you know, I love them bringing back all the guys. I love them bringing in all the guys they did on vetman contracts. Andre Iguodala, Otto Porter Jr., Nemanja Bielica. I like those. I like the two draft picks. I like their flexibility to make a trade for, if not a star, a very good player who can contribute right away with, you know, Wiseman, Moody, Kuminga. Those are really interesting trade chips. And then you have Wiggins' mm-hmm. contract also. Um, and Clay Thompson, who I could be wrong. I anticipate him eventually looking like 
the exact same guy on the offensive end and we'll see what he looks like on the defensive end. And that could be a little bit of a hairier situation, but adding him, I mean, it's like the third, second best shooter of all time. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, I just think the Warriors are going to be really yeah, good. Yeah, no, that's a good addition. He's probably going to play better than Mark Mulder, right? I mean, that's, or Juan Toscano <laughs> Anderson or someone like that. Absolutely. No, I totally agree. Um, I'm going to go on record as saying I don't think that adds up to a lot more win, a lot higher win percentage than they had this past year. I think there's just too many things. I think Draymond's going to get just that much older. I think Clay's going to be that much slower. Steph Curry had a season for the ages this past year, and he may not have another season for the ages. Who knows? They're all on the wrong side of 30. Um, look, I just, I, I see what you're saying. They could definitely go on a run and be top two, top three in the West, but I see it more likely being in them, them in the six, seven range. Um, <clears throat> the team I'm more worried about making a big jump and, or staying jumpy basically is the, uh, nuggets. Uh, but Jamal Murray's going to be out most of the year. So maybe that's not going to actually happen. Uh, Murray and, and Kawhi Leonard, both are going to miss almost the entire year. So, uh, we'll see how it goes. Definitely. I, I, what I will say is the Suns have to be better next year than they were this year to keep their position at the top of the West for sure. Devin Booker's going to have to grow into the, uh, shooting guard version of Chris Paul, which he's trying very hard to do as far as being the guy who makes all the right plays. I absolutely loved how Devin Booker looked in team USA. He didn't try to look for his shot. Mm-hmm. He was he was doing every other thing he could on the court to keep that game to keep that team moving, and that's the kind of thing that Chris Paul was doing. So he's learned a lot there. He's going to have to get better. Aiden's going to have to get better. Bridges going oh they're all going to have to get better. Or if the Suns or if you're standing still, you're falling behind. So I can see why people might put them a little lower in predicting the West, but I I I have faith that they're going to do exactly what I think they'll do. Um, I do have a question for you on the on the. What do you think of the Lakers offseason? I mean, they signed a bunch of minimum salary guys to go along with their with their duo. What do you think what do you see them you have them as third in the West, but what do you what would you grade their offseason if you want to give us a hint? I mean, if you caught me on a different day, I would probably put the Suns third and the Lakers fourth. I, I was I was not uh high at all on pretty much anything the Lakers have done this offseason. Um my grade for them is considerably lower than an A minus. I will say, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll start with the Westbrook trade. Like, I don't get it straight up. I just don't understand uh, the need to do that. Uh, Here's you- my take on the Westbrook trade: They're expecting to lose, in my opinion, they're expecting to lose AD and or LeBron for chunks of next season too, just like they did this past year. And the problem they had this past year is there was nobody to dominate the offense when those two were out. So I really think Westbrook isn't part of a big three. I think he's a replacement one A two A for injury. And then the rest of the time, though, when those two are healthy, I think it's just an awful fit. It's a bad fit. Yes. Uh, Westbrook led the NBA in mid range jumpers last year, uh, shot 38% on mid range jumpers. It's just like, not, that's just not what you want. Um, and it's not like that was an outlier either. Uh, did not get to the rim as much as he normally does. And when he does get to the rim, it's because 
the entire infrastructure of the organization is built to let Russell Westbrook get to the rim and let him push the pace and let him have the ball in his hands and make all the decisions. And that's just not what you want. If you have LeBron James on your team and if you have Anthony Davis on your team, I just, I, I don't like that. You essentially are trading um, a quarter of your rotation from last year when you were a contender yeah. for Westbrook. And that's the thing I, I, what they gave up. It's crazy. It's, 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 it's huge. I mean, um, and it completely uh, just alters what your identity was when you won the title two years ago, which was defense. Everything was about your defensive um, prowess. And right now, I don't know. You you have Westbrook, who's a bad defender, and he's going to have to play in crunch time, I would imagine. I, don't, I just don't foresee them benching him, if healthy, in crunch time of a playoff game. Maybe they will. I don't know. But even if they do the players that they brought in and the players more significantly that they lost Contavious Caldwell Pope in that trade, Alex Caruso, they let go because of luxury tax concerns, which was absolutely ridiculous. And I would be outraged if I was a Lakers fan because of that. I'd keep um, him over THT actually. Sure. Maybe, um, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of either to be frank, but, well, that's uh, <laughs> but, but you, you know, you bring in guys who, who just can't be on the floor against a lot of teams in the playoffs. So I keep thinking about um, like if they were to match up against the Suns, this is a Suns podcast. If they were to match up against the Suns in the playoffs, who's guarding Chris Paul? Who is guarding Devin Booker for a seven game series? I I, right. I don't know the answers to those questions and they don't either. So uh, you bring in Carmelo Anthony, you bring in Malik Monk, you bring in Kendrick oh, Nunn. No. These guys, um, are very one dimensional in my eyes. And, you know, none might be a little bit better on the defensive end that I'm giving credit for, but the others are their turnstiles and uh, Wayne Ellington. It's like, okay, Wayne Ellington can shoot. He, he's not going to be able to guard anyone in the playoffs. Kemp Bazemore um, and Trevor Ariza are question marks on both ends, frankly, for a championship contender contending team. Uh, so I don't like anything that they did really, to be honest. And I get that Westbrook is key for the regular season, but your priority should be to accentuate LeBron and Anthony Davis at this point, not to build a roster where AD and LeBron have to extend themselves to cover all the holes and the blemishes that are um, suddenly present because of the moves that you made as a front office. So I, I just, I don't like anything that they did. And the only reason I have them as high as I do is because AD is, I, I anticipate him bouncing back and looking more like the guy who is in the bubble, who is unstoppable. And LeBron James is LeBron James. So that's pretty much the only reason I have them where they, where I have them. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if, if those guys are healthy and playing at the top of their game, they're almost impossible to beat. So I get it. I get it. Okay, last question for you. Thank you so much for your time today. Last question for you. I'm going to put you on the hot seat. What is the, well, two questions for you regarding those extensions for Aiden and Bridges. Um, would you go... Would you go max for Aiden and why or why not? Yes, I would max out Aiden. Um, he's a former number one overall pick who uh, fills a clear need, um, not only in your present, but as you're trying to, you know, as you mentioned before, if you're not getting better um, in the NBA right now, you're falling behind. I think Aiden is 
the key variable here. And in terms of um, keeping that trajectory where you want it to be as an organization. And frankly, like the things he was doing throughout the playoffs, I did not expect, yeah. but he was ridiculous. He was, you know, shooting 80 up until the finals when he wore down a little bit because of play, he had to play all those minutes. Um, you know, he's shooting like 80% from the floor. And a lot of those are just him finishing plays that are set up by either book or, or CP, but a lot of them weren't too. Like he just had great touch around the basket. Yeah. He had great shot selection. Um, and defensively, I mean, he was an absolute monster. So yeah, like, you know, you don't necessarily in a vacuum want to max out a center who just, that's just how the NBA is right now. But Aiton is someone who um, accepted his role, accepted sacrifice at a young age, um, knowing it was basically a contract year, and improved at all the things that a center absolutely has to do to be successful in today's league. So I would reward him. I don't see what the what the upside is in waiting this out and letting him get to restricted free agency and trying to save money transparently, which was which is what that would be. Right. Um, just reward your players who you drafted and 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 brought into your organization that way. Like I, I just I would one hundred percent max them out. Cool. Um, now Bridges. So Bridges is a little bit tougher call. He did have a little more trouble in the playoffs than we all thought he might, and a lot of that was due to um, he just didn't have the you know the sand in the bucket to hold up against some of the bigger, tougher uh, wing players that he's got to defend and. Um, <clears throat> but at the same time, the guy looks like a future 18 point a game guy who can be an all defensive player. He almost made all defense this year. Um, what's the most you would sign him for this off season? Like the most reasonable is about 80 million, um, comfortably up to a hundred, I would think. But what if he comes back with wanting 125? Um, I think what's tricky about Bridges is when you talk about the money amount and you try to peg forward, okay, am I paying for a better version of the player in every single season of this deal? The one thing that's a little tricky is I think he's a lot, maybe not, this isn't the case for Suns fans, I'm sure, but I think to a lot of people, he's older than he actually, like, yeah. Given the fact that this is only he's only coming off his third season, I think he's turning. He'll be twenty five. Twenty five, yeah, right next year. So I think that yeah. that could um, impact things a little bit if you're in the organization and you're kind of and you're you're also looking at um, Cam Johnson in the wings, who's not super young given his NBA experience, but can replicate a lot of what Mikael yeah. Bridges does. So personally, I, I think a hundred million is a pretty good number over like, hopefully we could do that over five years would be my preference. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm not saying that he's static. I'm not saying that he is what he is at all. I think that he'll have, um, hopefully have opportunities going forward to, you know, showcase a little bit more of his playmaking showcase a little bit more of his ball handling. Um, there were, points throughout the playoffs where he was creating his own shot as opposed to just kind of being stationary in the corners. He's a wonderful cutter. He's a screener. As you said, or like defensively, he's, he's great. And I don't know how much more weight he can ever gain just because of how he's kind of built, but like he's someone who 
can obviously function as one of the best perimeter defenders on a very good defense. We've seen that. So I think that that player is really valuable. And yeah, like a hundred million. I mean, look, like John Collins just got what? 125 over four or 125 over five. I don't really recall, but I think it was over four, but go ahead. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, is if I were just to, if I were to throw those two players out there um, and Uh, ask a bunch uh, of GMs. Okay. Okay. If I were to throw, um, those two players at, at that number out there and ask every single GM in the NBA who they'd rather have. I, I honestly don't know who would like how that voting, how that tally would kind of end up to be honest. So I don't think it would be super outrageous if they gave, I mean, I would probably be shocked. That's interesting. Not if they gave him well, if it's five years, he's good. 125 is, yeah. I mean, I've always been, you know, John Collins also stepped up big time in the playoffs this year. He showed that he, he did. can play defense on a good defense and not be a guy who is the weak link. So, um, plus his incredible offensive skills. So actually those, that's a really good comp. So I, yeah, definitely. Um, I was thinking around four years, uh, but if you go five, then 125 sounds pretty reasonable. Well, doable for sure. Um, okay. Thank you. Very much. Oh, Michael. So uh, thank you so much for giving giving me your time today. Uh, where can we find you? Where can people listening to this find you and listen to those those pods and all the other pods for you? Sure. So uh, I host the Open Floor Podcast. We do two episodes uh, a week, I think Tuesday and Friday during the offseason uh, with Rohan Nadkarni and, and Chris Herring, two of my colleagues at Sports Illustrated, uh, right at sportsillustrated.com. So go over there and read stuff and subscribe. That would be wonderful. And then on Twitter, I'm at Michael V. Pina. So give me a follow if you want to be enraged by all of my um, my opinions about the Phoenix Suns going forward. Anti, Anti-Suns <laughs> opinions. All right, big thanks to Michael Pina for joining me here. Now we're going to move on to my second interview with Mirren Fader. And that is a really, really fun interview about Giannis and the Suns and the Bucks in the finals. Hope you stay on to listen to that one. All right. Welcome back. I have as my guest here, Mirren Fader. She has written for Bleacher Report and The Ringer. She covers, uh, she does a lot of great profiles on athletes, mostly basketball. And most recently, she put out a book um, that just got released in the past few weeks um, called the um, uh, Gian- Giannis, The Improbable Rise of an NBA MVP. And Mirren, uh, that, that is a huge undertaking to write a book, to go from writing articles, feature articles. I've been doing feature articles for many years. To go from that to 120,000 word book, how do you do that? Yes, you know the struggle, fellow writer. Um, it is really hard. I mean, the best analogy I can think of is like, it's the same language, different dialect. Um, and so it's it uses the same skills. It's just the fear is, will the reader give up? You know what I mean? Like in our articles, like we have to be conscious of somebody's time. If they don't like the lead, they're out. And so when you have 120,000 words, you have to really make sure every page is engaging. <laughs> wow. Yeah, exactly. So Suns fans, uh, this obviously this is a Suns fan pod and, and they're wondering why the heck did I have Mirren Fader on this show 
Don't See, hate me, uh, Suns fans. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> we just witnessed the uh, the most improbable rise of Mirren Fader as a best-selling, probably best-selling author because <laughs> the guy she spent the last couple of years writing about decided to go ahead and win an NBA championship. So what? Tell me how. Uh, so you you started writing this book uh, when? Yeah, I got I. I signed the deal March 2020. March so, and it was, and it was done March 1st, 2021. So obviously well I did not. <laughs> yeah. I the didn't. Playoff, people are like, Oh, did you, did you know this? Did you do it last? I'm like, dude, this book has been done for like six months. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So what's happened. So you, you uh, signed the deal well before this past season. Giannis had not even agreed to his Supermax extension to stay with the Bucks. They, uh, I don't even, yeah, they had just failed again in the playoffs to finish off. Yes. But so the tone of the book, I'm sure, um, is not about him winning a championship, obviously. It's about him winning two MVPs coming from nothing. Uh, so let's, uh, it's just amazing. And then here you are, you're writing the book, you're getting it ready. You're, you guys are getting ready to package it. And all of a sudden uh, here he is blasting through the playoffs. And then right before you do the, did you guys change the release date? To no, with we the talked the about it. Or no, no. The only, he, the, this is so funny. The only reason why it came out August 10th is because we thought he'd be a free agent and we thought, Oh, biggest story of the off season. And of course uh, he went and proved us wrong <laughs> in a much better way. I know. Imagine. I'm happy. I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it. <laughs> they were one half shoe size away from losing to the Nets in that second Listen. round, which you know what would not have been a, Nobody thought they were going to, you didn't write the book thinking they were going to win the finals anyway. So it would have exactly. been just fine. Exactly. But, and so much, so much of the book is about the Bucks' struggles, right? From the inception, yeah, like we go right. deep on the history and it shows the psychology of a Bucks fan. Cause in order to understand what Giannis has meant to this franchise, you got to understand all the trauma they went through before that. So to lay out decades of pain to have the most wonderful moment ever coincide with the release is something I obviously didn't intend for. <laughs> I know they got to get you to write it like a final, another final chapter or something like that <laughs> yeah. and add to it. Volume yeah. two. Uh, right. Yeah. So no, that's, that's, it's, it's an incredible story, an incredible story for Giannis, obviously also uh, um, somewhat an incredible story for yourself as well. So good for you on this. Um, and, and again, let's, let's uh, bring it back to the Suns a little bit as a, as a Suns fan. Um, we got to witness Giannis become the best version of we've ever seen of Giannis in these finals after he, I don't know what happened to his leg in the round before uh, the finals. It looked like he bent backwards, like a, you know, a, 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 you know, like animals do, like dogs do. You know, I remember this. Um, oh shoot, what the what's that Will Smith movie uh, with the black glasses and Tommy Lee Jones and all that? But they they um, they had people who were disguised as aliens, disguised as people, and all of a sudden their legs bent the opposite way. You know, when they became themselves again, their alien self, and that's what I thought Jonas did. And then he plays like the greatest player in the game 
for several games to close out that finals. As you were watching it, I know you're you are a lifelong Lakers fan, um, but uh, you obviously a fan of of sport and really delving into Giannis these last few years. What did you think? Did you think this was the best version you'd ever seen of Giannis, or did you think he just people are finally seeing him? No, it definitely, there was a leap. This is the best version. But the thing that I kept thinking of was that this this shows to me why he is so incredible mentally, right? Like his whole career, I think we've just fallen in love with his physicality and maybe over-accentuated his physicality, right? Denied yeah. certain things are skills. Like, uh, you know, having the spatial awareness to time a block, that's a skill. That's not just like natural athleticism, you know? The things he does defensively, skill. But I think... I really saw how mentally tough he is. I mean, not even the just the pain of the injury, but the doubt that creeps in, the fear that creeps in, all of these things, there's so much pressure. Everyone is making fun of you. You're humiliated over the internet and he's so unshakable mentally that it just doesn't bother him. And he's able to flourish, not just in terms of showing us a different gear. I think he really is like understanding his powers. Like I don't need to shoot. I just need to go to the basket. I think that was the biggest change. He finally, it, it clicked. He realized mm -hmm. what his powers are, but really I think the mental fortitude was on full display and I don't think he gets enough credit for that. It was just an excellent series. It's uh, for me, it's impossible to not like him. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and as a uh, Suns fans, we remember PJ Tucker, who was also a very big part of that finals because uh, he played for the Suns for several years. He's the the Suns are the team that helped him get back into the league. Uh, so we, you know, I just, I just can't not like the Bucks. And and people have asked me, are you totally disappointed that the Suns didn't win the finals after finally getting back there? I mean, the for the Bucks, it's been fifty years. For the Suns, it's been a long time as well. It's been 28 years getting to the finals, and they've never won a championship. And I, my actual answer was no. It was a wonderful series. The Suns kind of exceeded expectations. The Bucks exceeded expectations. One of those teams had to win, and it was really just they won those games. It was really fun to watch. Um, so going back to your book a little bit, I want to I want to delve into people don't understand, like you said, people only give credit to Giannis for his incredible physical gifts, and they don't get into his background that helps him. Be, what is it that, give us a little insight for those who haven't read the book yet, give us a little things, what are we going to find out about Giannis in your book that we don't know, casual fans who are outside of Milwaukee who don't follow Giannis, what are we going to find out about him that makes him so special? Well, I mean, I don't think people realize how truly difficult it was in his upbringing. All people really know is sold trinkets by the street and that's it. This, you know, you don't even really get to Milwaukee to like, you know, a third through the book. I mean, you you get to like see the neighborhood that he grew up in supporting. You get to smell it, feel it, experience it, feel like you're in his shoes. Um this, I think, is the first thing that really talks about the racism that he experienced growing up and how hard it was being undocumented. And I think Giannis's story has been framed as this fairy tale because it is so inspirational, but it really glosses over the incredible um, difficulties that he faced as a Black person in Greece growing up. And not just then, but now. You know, towards the end of the book, I chronicle how even to this day, as much as he has represented Greece to the best ability, the best ambas ambassador you could ever ask for, he is still the target of racism by politicians 
and people drawing swastikas on his murals. So I think what you'll see is just a real portrait of who this guy is as a person. You know, I think there's never been a greater hunger to know more about how he became so wise, how he became so charismatic and and vulnerable and smart and thoughtful. And this really just takes you behind the scenes and shows um, the difficulties. It wasn't all great when he got to America and was having smoothies. He was really lonely and lost. So I think you'll just see a deeper portrait than you've seen. So tell me, uh, without giving away the best parts of your book, obviously, but tell me, give me an insight into the kind of, give me an example of a story uh, that uh, we'll see in, in your book. So people get an idea of the taste of how deep you go and how, how personal you get with their with him and his family. Yeah. So um, growing up, he was so fearful that his parents would get deported because they were all undocumented. And so he was very fearful of making friends or trusting people because he didn't know who could take his parents away. So my favorite anecdote in the book is when, you know, knowing that context, he goes to Milwaukee. It's rookie year. It's early on in the season, that first year in Milwaukee. And um, he has to get his cable installed and he doesn't trust the cable worker to come because of his upbringing. So he asks the Bucks staffer, hey, can you be present during this? Because, you know, he wants to feel safe. The Bucks guy comes. It takes forever. It's like 9 to 4 p.m. And the Buck staffer gets hungry. He goes into Giannis's pantry. He sees some Oreos in a cookie jar and he, he eats them, thinks nothing of it. Next day at practice, Giannis is just like, hey man, like, did you eat my Oreos? And um, the staffer is like, um, you know, like totally taken aback, like what? And then Giannis is like, well, I noticed that three were missing. And three. you know, the, <laughs> the staffer is just like, who does this like a millionaire NBA player counts as Oreos but then everything crystallizes for the staffer and for me as a reporter of course Giannis counted his Oreos he was so used to like growing up not having and so he had to be acutely aware at all times how much he had and so I think that like this was the time period where everyone in Milwaukee thought life was great you could look at this adorable rookie from overseas he's trying smoothies he's doing this he he was masking deeper pain and grappling with things that are really, really hard. When you go from extreme poverty to extreme wealth, it's not the seamless transition. You still are, are acting in ways that you do when you're a child. So I, I just think that really encapsulates the book. Wow. This, yeah. And there's just a million of these kinds of stories in the book. I really enjoyed it. I haven't read the entire book yet, um, but I definitely have read a good portion and I'm just loving every bit of it. Your, your writing style is, is very engaging. Uh, thank oh, you, thank for, you for that. Yeah. Uh, and cause you've got it, like you said, you've got to keep people's interest all the way through and out. <laughs> I don't know how you're doing it, but um, it's, it's, it's definitely working. So is this going to be your, you really want to write more books? Yeah, I, I've set a goal for myself, which I don't know is good or bad, but I've set a goal for book number two proposal to be finished by the end of this year. Um, I, I want to do this forever. You know, sometimes in my long form profiles, I'm like, oh, I ran out of space, you know, like there was so much yeah. that I wanted to do that I can't fit in 4000 words as crazy as that sounds. So my thing now is like, do I want to keep chronicling people in real time, like Giannis, as his career is going? Or do I want to sink my teeth into a subject that's lived a fuller life and, and somebody that's seen more and is, is retired? Oh, interesting. So, um, okay. 
you have written a lot of feature stories. If you go to mirrorinvader.com, you can see a lot of the, the your your work. That you're, um, probably not every story you've ever written, but the ones you're most proud of, I'm guessing. Uh, one of those happens to be on a current Phoenix Suns player, um, Mikkel Bridges. Do you remember doing that story <laughs> yeah, back yeah, in 2018? I do, I do. I'm laughing because when I saw him in the finals, I was like, oh my God, you know, because he noodles. was noodles. Like, yeah, he was noodles. And he was just a college student, you know, and just people were not high on him. And he was so nice. And um, his mom is so great. Uh, we went to Starbucks in Philly. She was just so proud of him. Um, it was really fun watching him during the finals. Yeah, absolutely. He's uh, Suns fans love him. Uh, we call him the new nickname for him is the Warden because he locks people up defensively. Yes, uh, yeah. He had a tough time a little bit in the finals because he didn't have a good matchup for himself. He uh, is not quite big enough to defend a Giannis type, and the other the other Bucks were not that kind of. And Chris Middleton was also a little bit too physical for Mikel, so he's got to gain some weight and everything. So he's still the same as you wrote about skill, still the same skinny kid that, that the bigger guys uh, can push around a bit. Uh, but man, if you, if you, um, if you give him a, he's just a really, really good young player and he's going to actually be getting an extension probably this off season. That's, that's worth a lot more than he ever thought he was going to get. Um, but yes, yeah, so you, you wrote a, you wrote a feature on Mikel Bridges and look what became a him. Now he's going to probably get a hundred million dollars in an extension. Oh you write God. a book about Giannis on <laughs> and he wins a championship. I have a request for you. Your next book proposal needs to be a, a, you need to write a book on the improbable rise of Devin Booker. He's got I'm... a lot. He's got a Spanish background. His mother is full Mexican. Um, and his father, uh, uh, shoot, I forget where his father's from, but his mother's Mexican. And he's been tapping into his, his Mexican heritage a little bit more, although he was fully raised in the States and Michigan and stuff. But um, he's got a great story. Um, and if you write a book about him, the Suns might actually be able to win a championship. So <laughs> this it's is a win-win. Pitch. Yeah, this is the pitch. It's <laughs> we love to have you around <laughs> interviewing it's everybody. It's funny because I actually I tried to profile him right before the pandemic and the sun said no. And I was just like, oh they're so, so tough. Oh, it's so, so tough to break through with especially during the pandemic. It feels like every NBA team uh, made it harder to get on. Even though Zoom is the easiest possible thing you can use, they made it harder to talk to people Here's during the pandemic for one-on-ones. Here's the thing, and I know you probably feel me on this. When we go into locker rooms and we go up to the player and we're like, hey, what's up? How are you? Can I ask you a few questions? They're like, yeah, no problem. Mm -hmm. It's It's the handlers and the people that they don't even ask the player for all I know, Devin never had the request. Um, right. So, so I might just, I it's, might just follow up on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah show up in the locker. Yeah, exactly. We'll have uh, in person back. We, we got it in the playoffs. We'll have more in person back next year, hopefully, unless this thing keeps going. But anyway, um, the other, Oh shoot. I was going to say something else right then. Yeah. So I, I, I was listening uh, to the ringer podcast and you were talking to Kevin O'Connor and, and Chris Vernon, and you mentioned that you, because of the pandemic, didn't even get a chance to talk to Giannis again after it started. Is that, is that, did I hear that right? 
Yeah. So I had my initial one-on-one and we spent the day with him and his family. And then after the pandemic, I, I couldn't talk to him again. Yeah. Okay. So it's not just the Suns, Suns fans that are, that are, they're cutting people. <laughs> what reporters. Is, am I cursed? Like <laughs> No, it's everybody. None of us have gotten one-on-one since this thing started. It's crazy. Oh, God, yeah. will this pandemic end? I will say like, <laughs> it's caused me to be a better reporter in really strange ways because, you know, you have to like press for details because you can't see it with your own eyes, right? Like yeah. you have to almost, almost make an excuse for it. Like, wish we were in the same room. We're not. Can you describe the room? Every little detail, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. It's tough to be an observational writer like you are, where you, you yeah. write about what's around everything, not just the person you're talking to. And if you're not actually there with them, that's a little bit more difficult. Right. So um, yes, congratulations on doing the book. You, it, it you. looks, it's an excellent read. People should go get it. Um, the, it's, it's out in all of your bookstores. Now it's called Giannis, the improbable rise of an MBA MVP. Um, I'll be sharing also links to the book and all that on, on social media, as well as, um, in the, in the description of this pod that when it comes out. So thank you so much, Mirren. Do you have any, um, parting thoughts on, uh, do you want to tell us what your next book proposal is or do you not want to jinx it? <laughs> I want your listeners to help me out and come up with some ideas. So let me know. I'm just, well, at it's all going to be sons. <laughs> I know I, so. I'm ready. <laughs> Uh, supposedly Mikkel Bridges is Chris Paul calls Mikkel Bridges one of his sons now uh, oh. because he's such a, he's such a great kid. They're going to really miss Javon kid. Carter uh, who just got traded away, but Landry Shaman is good. So no, any sons player you want to do features on, we're all for it. Okay. And do a book on Devin, <laughs> write the book on book. Write the book on book. Bring the sons there back to glory. <laughs> I'm That's just kidding. Right. <laughs> thank you for having me on. All right. Thank you so much for coming on, man. And thank you guys for listening to both of these interviews. If you're still here, that means you really love the solar panel. Please go find us. We have a new feed on the on the podcast apps of your choice uh, where you can find us. We are Sun's Solar Panel Podcast. It's the orange icon, the orange logo. Please go and subscribe to that to listen to the future uh, pods. So thank you very much, everybody, for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.